You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm Craig, I'm the host of the podcast and I'm joined by Chris and Greg. Hello guys. Hello. Alright. Alright, good to have you back. Third week in a row. Fourth week in a row in fact. Aye, it's been good, good consistent podcast team which I like. Greg, you're not getting <laughs> bored yet? I tell you what, it's, uh, I think this is me breaking my record for um, concurrent um, back-to-back episodes so... Yeah, you can expect a sick line next week. <laughs> what do you mean am I getting bored with it? I was bored with it after about two minutes of the first one. <laughs> a daft question. It's the intro, that's the boring bit, isn't it? it is. After that, it, it gets all right. It's just my boring voice. Has anybody heard from Laurie recently? Are you maybe going to come back on at some point? I'm going to have to persuade him to come back on. Because I... can I, I, I have Greg on every single week. I know, we need a, a fresh heart's voice on. Once he gets his broadband sorted, settled down. Once, once we get a fresh hearts? <laughs> Hell, maybe, maybe. He's, oh, it's sounding positive for what I hear. Oh, is. Uh, once he gets his broadband sorted, he's the only person in his universe that it takes six months to get his broadband sorted. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. I changed my broadband to BT the other day and it's playing up, so I might cut off. That's not promised at all, because that changed recently as well. You can tell they were giving that away the, the BT Sports for free with a broadband, can't you? Aye. Right, in this week's podcast, we'll discuss the Scotland-England game. Or should that be the England-Scotland game? Never sure what way to put that. The Premiership games at the weekend, the lower league games, the charity bet. We'll discuss that, obviously, not very positive, or else we'd be cheering about that in the, the forum. Then upcoming games, we've got European game kicking off something like one o'clock lunchtime or something stupid like that. And then we've got the <laughs> Premiership games, we'll make predictions for that. And then I'll maybe boast a wee bit about where I am in the predictor. While I can anyway, because I'm on my way down. Right, I'd like to start with the Scotland-England game. And, well, a good place to start would be right at the start of the game. Right. <laughs> It is a good place to you start, think? There's no point in going starting off at the end. It's <laughs> seamless. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Nah, I wanted to mention the national anthems and how disappointing Ooh. it was that the Scotland fans booed God Save the Queen. Now, let's be fair, the England fans also booed for Scotland. They did. They did, yep. And yep. you know what? I totally agree with that sentiment. If the English want to boo for Scotland, let them. If the Scots want to boo for uh, God Save the Queen, let them. Because God Save the Queen's anti-Scottish, and for Scotland is anti-English, so you're allowed to boo it if it's anti-your country. That's you my stance so? on that. Yep. I think it's a, a lack of respect. No, I think having a, a, an anthem that slags <laughs> off somebody, else, somebody else's country is a lack of respect. So maybe we should scrap for Scotland and God Save the Queen. Well, uh, you, you could have something there. Although God Save the Queen is also our national anthem. Technically. Aye, technically. Aye, technically. Whenever, whenever, whenever we actually compete as something that isn't just Scotland. Yeah, but aye, I just thought it was a lack of respect and I think the SFA should have made a bigger deal about it prior to the game and said, look, do not ban the national anthem because well, I don't think it's on. I know you, you've got a different opinion there, but I just I think, look, just keep quiet. See, I anyway. think it's a challenge though. I think if, if you're singing your anthem, you should be trying to out-sing the boon. And I think... The Scottish fans actually did a really good job on it. They did. They were definitely the loudest, the fans. I mean, yeah, I mean, given there's like 20,000 Scots in the stadium, I think they said, compared to about 60,000 English fans, that's pretty good uh, to be able to outsing the boon. Yeah, uh, the, the biggest disappointment was the English fans weren't loud enough in their boon, though, because you could still hear that dirge over the top <laughs> of their boon. It just sounded like a, a, a rabble of drunks singing, <laughs> singing this horrible song at, at, at a different pace and in different time with a band playing it at a different time it's just it's, it's, I've said this a million times it's high time we scrap that song it's an absolute joke forget the fact that the lyrics are now um, like Chris is saying a wee bit dodgy as well it's just a horrible horrible national anthem it's time it went long overdue I, I, don't, I don't know what a Scots alternative should be but for me the English anthem really should be Land of Hope and Glory 
because I think that's a really good uplifting tune. They should be using it more often, and they don't. I don't understand why. Yeah, I'd have, uh, I'd have, I'd have Scotland the Brave with the lyrics rewritten a wee bit. So that everybody knows them, you mean? <laughs> Aye, so it's no about shortbread tins and high on dancing <laughs> and high, chasing haggises and all that, but that's a, that's a good tune, a beat tune. I see, I only know one set of words, and it's not really appropriate for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so in the game, uh, a lot of people are bumming up Kenny Miller. One of the saying, some were saying is one of the best games he's played for Scotland, but I wanted to put a wee bit of a downer on it and say that it was a handball in the lead up to his goal. I think it hit his arm. Did you see that? What really? do you think? I don't remember seeing that. No, it's when he controlled it on his spell. He'll say his chest, but I think it hit his hand, hit his arm. So I would have given the handball. But other than that, I thought he'd done really well. Was it Cahill? Yeah. I think if there was a handball, Cahill was too busy being embarrassed for being so turned so easily to even bother. <laughs> Aye, but it was a good strike. And I, I think it'd be a good time for him now to retire based on his <laughs> comments after the game. I think that he's been thinking about it for a while and it's got to get to you, the reaction for the crowd. And to do that, it's, it's two fingers up, isn't it? It's just to say, look, I can do the, the lone striker job. I can do it well. I can still score. I think it'd be a good time for him to walk away. Aye, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think I just said this before the game. If this is him, a swan song, going to bow out at Wembley, because he's not going. He's going to be too old for like the next whatever the next campaign is, European Championships, yep. twenty sixteen. We're not really going to be looking for him. And it was people saying, "Well, why is he in the squad for this game? We should be looking to the future." And I'm thinking, well, Kenny Moore's actually been a good servant for Scotland over the years. He's certainly he's scored in some of the big games. Germany scored against Hamden. At one point, I think there was. I he, certainly, he scored some good goals for Scotland. So for him to bow out at Wembley, and he even scored in the game, so fair point to him. I would think it would be a perfect opportunity for him to say, "That's me. I'm done. I've had my time. I've scored against England. I'm going to go." He does a horrible job as well. See, playing up front on your own when you're playing for Scotland, it's yeah. just a thankless task, and he just runs about like a dafty for for ninety minutes if he's given the chances. I don't know where he gets the engine from, uh, and I've not seen that his age coming into it at all. He still manages to do it. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see him retiring. I, I think he'll, I think as long as Strachan's going to um, involve him in some way, shape, or form in the, in the ninety minutes, I think he'll keep going, and I think he should. I think anything that gets the two fingers up to the Tartan Army's got to be good. In my book, to be honest, none of these idiots that are shouting and bawling for his head. You've just, you just made the point, Craig. How many of these? Friendlies and internationals as he travelled back for well, I mean, I know he's in he's in uh, Vancouver at the moment, but for here, there, and everywhere to turn up and play in these games in the arse end of nowhere to get a whole load of pelters for the Tartan Army. And how many how many of these squads has he ever pulled out of injury? You're probably counting in one hand if that. So I think he should keep as long as he wants to keep playing, he should definitely keep going. And as long as he's going to be involved on the park, um, then I think he will. I think Strachan will include him in the squad, whether or not he's going to be starting. Um, so many of these games going forward I don't know but I think he's definitely got the experience um, to justify a place on the bench and maybe chuck him on for 20 minutes at the end but it's it was just a shame it was a shame the way the, the game went because we were looking pretty strong and then to get done with the, the two headers I just thought it was, was poor especially the first one uh, the second one I don't know I think there was too much movement I, I'm not sure that Brun was meant to be marking him I just I know it looked that way and I know I mentioned that in the forum, but I just can't see it, him ever lining up against him thinking, I'm going to beat him in the air. I think it was just his movement that got that. But uh, Disappointing, because I thought for a second we were going to get a, a win there and it would have been a historic win. Was it? I think I'd we been able to hold on to the lead in the second half for any more than a couple of minutes, then maybe we had a chance. But the minute they get the second goal so quickly afterwards, we kind of, that kind of took the window to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think after that, you were always looking at if England scored, they were going to win the game. And eventually they did through Ricky Lambert's debut goal. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. It was um, anybody that's listened to this podcast over the last couple of years, I know my thoughts and where we've been with the national team over the last few well, but it's the first Scotland game in a long time I can remember actually enjoying sitting and watching. And as much as we were up against a better side, there were spells in that first half where we looked as though we were actually going to try and play a bit of football. We we're knocking the ball about in the middle of the park, keeping hold of the possession and not just lumping it forward. And I mean, guys like Scott Brown, I thought I thought were outstanding. If we can if we can keep that sort of ethos 
and the team going forward over the next uh, three, four years, I think we'll be all right because we're now starting to look as though we've got a manager that's got half an idea in terms of what some what sort of system we're going to play. And we look as though we've got players that are a wee bit more confident now that they'll actually not get a ball about in the middle of the park instead of instead of taking a, a touch and huffing it forward. So I, I think there's, I think even though we didn't get the result on the by the midweek, I think there was loads of positives to take for the performance. I, th- I think we took more positive than England did because England, mm. I think they defended pretty poorly um, and they struggled to really create anything. I mean, everything they got was pretty much offset pieces other than the, the, the one strike outside the box. Yeah, I thought it was disappointing to see Whitaker get done like that and I don't know, I, I don't blame him because I think you've got to, you've got to assume that the shot's going to be put away and you've got to dive in in that situation it just Walcott's a bit too clever and yeah, made him look a mug right. by turning but, back but, but, inside but down to, we're down to 10 men at that point as well and I mean if if, if we did a full um, component of players on the pitch then there would have been somebody filling in behind Whitaker when he cuts inside and that wasn't there I think it was Scott Brown that was, that was desperately trying to get back from the middle of the park so yeah. Yeah, keep yeah. that in mind as well I mean Whitaker's done what he can against a guy who's one of the fastest players um, certainly in England, if not, if not in Europe. I think that I've got to be a bit critical about the fact that we're down to 10 men and I think Strachan should have got somebody to play and fill that gap. I know it happened so quickly, but I would say that that's his job. He's the one that should have these backup plans in his mind. What happens if What happens if this guy uh, gets sent off? What happens if this guy goes off injured for a, a few minutes? He needs to get somebody in that position, but he didn't. And I would put the blame on him for that. I can I understand where you're coming from. I mean, certainly, it wasn't the worst mistake of the night, though. I mean, that has to go into Joe Hart. <laughs> would it be an England game unless England keep was punching the ball into his own net, would it? Oh, aye, aye. He's got to be careful now because he's there's quite a few people saying that he's not the man for the job. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know who's going to step up. I'm not sure if Foster is able to do that well at Celtic. Uh, I really doubt well, that he is. The problem Foster's got is he couldn't even get in the squad for this game. Because he was looking at it saying there's Joe Hart ahead of him, there was Ruddy ahead of him, there's Foster, not to be confused with Foster. <laughs> the, all three of them were in the squad. And I was listening to what Roy Hodgson was saying and he was basically saying, well, Foster's still my, my, my thoughts, but he's going to have to move two of them. I'm like, not sure he has to move one to get in the squad. Mm. Yeah, no, which, I, I, which almost suggests there's another one coming up behind him. I think the boy Butland. Butland is one I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's hotly tipped. So, so what, Foster's now fifth choice? That's I'm sure Butland's been Foster, in the squad huh? before. Yeah, he has. It's harsh on Foster, but I think that playing for Celtic, and by, I'm not being negative about Celtic, I'm being negative about Scottish football when I say this, but mm. I think that that's holding him back. And there's talk of Benfica going in for him. I don't think that's the right move for him right now. But no, I, I think he should be looking to move to the, the Premier League. If England's what he wants, and I presume it is. That's a sad case of affairs in Scotland. People don't pay any attention to what Celtic do against Aberdeen and Dundee United and Hibernian. And they barely paid any attention when Rangers were in the league. So it was always going to be in the Champions League. And there, to be fair, is where Foster really did make his name last season. And that's why he was in the England squad to start with. But yeah. it's been a good few months now since we played Juventus. So we haven't really been in the focus of the the people that are running the English team, so they don't think about the likes of Foster and he gets ignored. Should Celtic get past uh, Karagandhi in this next round, then maybe he'll be back in the thoughts again come later in the, this year, but we need to wait and see. Yeah. Aye, so they're talking about bringing it back in 2015. That's what the papers were saying the next morning, which I Aye. think would be good if we can get it at Hamden. The, the problem I've got with that is I need to wait to February to decide because you don't know if we're going to be drawing together in the European Championship qualifying. And if we do that, we can't play them in friendlies or some daft rule like that. A big idea, though, because I think there was clearly the enthusiasm for the Scots going down there. I think the English would quite happily come up for a, a, a rematch. Um, whether it would be anything after that, I very much doubt, because even after the game, you were listening to the English saying, well... It was good to get Wayne Rooney a run out. It was good to get this. It was good to get. There wasn't any efforts in who they were playing. They were just happy that people had got a run out. And see if they do have a rematch, it'd scrap the six subs. That kind of ruined the last twenty minutes nonsense. of that game. Yeah, it's total nonsense. I think I think it means more to Scotland than it does to England. To be honest, yeah, definitely, understandably. So England have got, although they've not done much in these championships, they've got bigger fish to fry 
than playing Scotland. But at the moment for Scotland, that's kind of a big game. Just now, I mean, we're we're out of the qualifiers, so I mean, there's there's nothing happening here for a while. So that's definitely one to pin in the um, pin in the diary for a for a rematch. But I like, I don't know whether bring it back every two years on a rolling basis would just um, would dilute the whole thing a wee bit. I think maybe um, taking a break for a few years and doing it again would be. Um, would be the way to go, but I mean, I was, I was, I was kind of surprised with the crowd. Though. I looked at um, from the Scotland end, like there were some pretty big gaps. Now I don't know whether I wasn't aware that there was unsold tickets, or I don't know whether it was segregation, but there was definitely a, a large gap um, in the middle of the in the middle of the top tier of the Scotland support. So I'm not sure why that was. I'd kind of assumed the tickets were more or less sold out, but I'm not sure if that was the case. I seen oh, a couple of pictures. Home. I don't know. It's got them ninety, is it? Is it? Is it 90? Because I read that attendance was about 80. So they're talking 10,000 by gap. It's still a pretty big gap. But uh, depends when they count it. See yeah. if they count it straight after the, the whistle goes for the second half. Ah, uh, you might miss all those corporate people. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know he's made, you know what? I'd shut the doors and I'd say, look, you've no made it back for the whistle, so you're no coming back. It's embarrassing. It's a, it's a complete embarrassment, especially, and I think especially where the camera um, gantry is at that stadium as well. It's pointing right at those yeah. empty seats. So any big game in there, you're right. Second half comes out and it looks as though the looks as though that ends half empty behind the dugouts. As it's a it's a total shambles. And it's clear they're just there for a jolly, which is mm-hmm. it's a shame for the fans that can't go because they've either been priced out of the market or they just couldn't get a ticket. It's just it's so so frustrating for me. Somebody like me who's who's not in that crowd. I don't know, maybe you could say it's jealousy. I, I don't think it is. I just think that it's wrong. The real fans are, are missing out because folk are going for their, their wee half time. It's not even a pie. I bet they don't even have a pie. They, none of this pie. Or no, you don't got or, a pie there. No, no chance. No. But a sandwich with a crust off. Probably cress on it or something. Cucumber. <laughs> Cucumber and salad cream. No, but it is, it's, it's a good point. But it's just it, it just sums up it sums up English football entirely that that one picture because I mean they don't give a monkey's about the ordinary fan. It's about getting corporate sponsors in and getting the money in the door. They don't give two hoots for the guy who's uh, buying his ticket in the in the street and coming into the game. So stick him somewhere up the top tier out of the way so they can be uh, they can be filmed and misbehaving. It's a nuisance. That's what it is. The fans mm, are a nuisance. Is, Especially is. when they want to bring the, the big flags and so on. Not allowed that because unless you pay, what is it, £1,000 or some stupid £1, like £1,000 for a big banner, aye, because you've got to have stewards. got to have three dedicated <laughs> stewards for every banner. <laughs> That's some job, that, eh? <laughs> Watching a banner, make sure it doesn't misbehave. <laughs> right, you want to move on to the Premiership games over the weekend? Yeah. Yeah, we'll start off on the Friday night. Yeah, again, we were at Fur Hill for a, the second time this season on a Friday. Uh, just like Dundee done United, it was Thistle were probably a better team against Hearts, but found Jamie McDonald in fine form. Chris Dolan had the ball in the net early on, but it was correctly rolled out for offside. Uh, eventually took an Aaron Muirhead penalty to open the score, with just four minutes remaining after Jamie Walker had pushed over John Baird in the penalty area. But then Walker made amends just two minutes later with a wonderful running strike to level the game and share the points. That's uh, Thistle remain unbeaten, three in the top flight, plus uh, 19 overall, thanks to their first division run as well. Now the championship, of course. Uh, Hearts move up to minus 11, so they're eating away at that administration punishment. We're moving on to Saturday, and we'll start off with a lunchtime game at a packed Pataudry, as a little over 20,000 people went along to see if Aberdeen could live up to the hype against the champions. Oh, they're going to win the league. <laughs> but although they looked a better team to begin with, Fraser Foster was rarely troubled. In fact, he only had one save to make in the entire first half, and that was a team free kick. But the real turning point came when a long ball from Charlie Mulgrew found George Samaras in behind the Aberdeen defence. He managed to shake off Russell Anderson, who was fouling him as he tried to get into the box. As he tried to go around Jamie Langfield, the keeper brought him down. No arguments, it was a penalty and a red card, although Derek McInnes later suggested maybe Samaras had taken it too wide, and I'm sure we'll talk Nonsense. about that later. Anyway, I don't agree, but it's irrelevant as Chris Commons put the ball under sub-goalkeeper Nicky Weaver to open the scoring. And Niall McGinn header in the second half was probably the only t- chance that 10-man Aberdeen had to get him back into the game. But ultimately Celtic secured the points with three minutes remaining when a James Forrest effort hit Mark Reynolds and looped up over Weaver's header into the net. Some suggested Forrest uh, for, was trying to cut it back for Samaras, but I'm not sure. It was too close to uh, Reynolds to really tell. Anyway, I'm sure it put them... Uh, 
ease ahead on a long trip to Kazakhstan, even if that long trip was on a luxury private charter complete with beds. Moving on it, to was, it was looking good, the picture <laughs> I've seen. That's uh, the Chris Collins one? Plane. No, it was the one uh, Samaras. Just the way, that's, that's no seats I've been in when I'm in oh, an easy jet flight. Cramped. Oh, He's did, touching did, did, the seat in front. Did, did you see the picture of Chris Collins lying in the bed? No. Had his shoes I'm on? not Googling that. <laughs> Genuinely, he had his shoes on. That was just criticism I was seeing on Twitter when he got posted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll move on to the 3pm Saturday games and we'll start off at Easter Road where neither Hibs nor Dundee United had scored this season. It took half an hour for Stuart Armstrong to resolve that for Dundee United and give the visitors the lead. Uh, Hibs looked to be heading for yet another goalless defeat before a fight broke out which saw Hibs lose Kevin Thompson and Dundee United lose Gavin Gunn into red cards. That seemed to lift the home side and a terrific strike from Scott Robertson at the second attempt with nine minutes remaining finally broke Hibs duck and rescued a point for Pat Fenland's men. So will that keep the Irishman a job? Perhaps for another week but the murmurs of the home support are getting louder by the week. Up in the Highlands Inverness hosted their bogey team from last season Motherwell. But this isn't the same Motherwell who are looking to bounce back for their defeat to Aberdeen. It took Richie Fora in just four minutes to open the scoring for the host with a diving bullet header before Billy McKay doubled the lead after some patient build-up by Inverness with ten minutes remaining in the first half. Motherwell brought on Henry Anier in the second half for that seemed to spark the visitors into life, but they failed to really look at scoring, although there was a claim for a penalty when Ian Vigers brought down by a clumsy David Raven challenge, but nothing was given. So in the end, Inverness retained their 100% record with three wins and three matches for the first time ever in 19-year history. Well, the two Highland teams have had terrific seasons last time round. This season, it's looking like polar opposites. Inverness are sitting top of the league, while Ross County have yet to get off the mark. And, and other than their decent showing at Celtic Park, they've now suffered two disappointing defeats. This time it was in Perth. To St Johnson's side, they seem to have shaken off the European disappointment. Nigel Hasselbank's neat flick got the ball rolling after a quarter of an hour before David Wallerspin curled in a 25-yarder four minutes later. His penalty was uh, for a foul by Ben Gordon. was then saved before half-time, but Stevie May made it 3-0 five minutes after the break. And Dave McKay rounded off a score with a free kick uh, just after the hour. Uh, and as if it counted his day, it wasn't bad enough. Richie Britton even had a late effort sail over the bar, much to the delight of the home support. And Britton had obviously turned down in the summer after that uh, pre-season contract agreement was uh, torn up. So it's two wins in a draw. It's see St Johnson sitting second in the league and already looking a good bet for challenging for that spot come the end of the season. Well, Ross County are now the only Premiership side yet to earn a point. And of course, they're still loving the head of hearts. And the final game of the Saturday was uh, St Martin and Kilmarnock which uh, took place in Paisley. The buddies had the last week off, thanks to Celtic. But although they looked a better side in the first half, a former St Martin keeper now at Kilmarnock, Craig Sampson was probably the busier of the two goalkeepers. They didn't take any other chances and it was goalless at the break. And they might come to rue that, because after four minutes in the second half, it was the visitors who took the lead through a Chris Broyd strike. But then ten minutes later, Boyd's red mist descended after a challenge from uh, Jim Goodwin. He then swung a punch at the St Martin captain. Are you calling it a punch? I am. It's a pretty poor punch, but it was a wee bit of theatrics for the Jim Goodwin, to be fair. Yep. <laughs> the referee was probably right to issue that red card, which apparently was the first in Boyd's career. And that uh, swung the, apparently so, and it swung the balance of the game in St Mirren's way. Three minutes after that red card, St Mirren levelled as Gary Harkins pounced in a Jerome Tessalard deflection. St Mirren even had several chances to take all three points, but just as in the first half, they couldn't take any and had to settle for the first point of the season. And for Kamarnock, it's their second point, but they'll no doubt have to do without Chris Boyd for a bit. And that's us for the Premiership. Right. I want to go back to the Aberdeen Celtic game. Yep. Because I want to discuss the penalty incident. Now, yes. I think I'm kind of alone in this. Right. But the way I see it, first of all, penalty, 100%. Definitely a penalty. Yeah. I don't think anybody doubts that. Even Derek McInnes was saying definitely penalty. Definitely penalty. Now, my issue is the fact that the red card was issued to Langfield. And that says to me that he denied an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Yep. Now, I'm not so sure that Samaras would have reached that ball. Now, right. assuming that he, he he leaped over Langfield, there was no contact, and Samaras kept running, I don't think he would have reached that ball before it went out. Also, if he had managed to reach it, there was a defender running back, and I think he would have made it to the goal line before that. Samaras got shot away, such as the, the tight angle that it would have been if he had reached the ball. So, I don't know, I think it's a debatable red card. I just, I can see why the referee gave it, because it's almost expected in that 
that incident really if the keeper brings a player down the fans everybody just assumes that has to be a red card has to be I don't know I just don't think he was reaching it but I think I am alone because there's on the forum anyway I think most people think that it was red card and everyone I've spoke to it's certainly worth debating but I I, I think Samaras hadn't had that hard enough that was going to run over the goal line he was going to get there and get a shot away and I don't think Russell Anderson was going to get there in time because I think he drifted back a bit once uh, Linfield came out because initially he'd been hanging on to Samaras effectively and had been filling him um, well, it could have been I, given at that point, yeah. It could, yeah, you could have brought it back, but I suppose then you would argue it was a good advantage for the referee to keep playing mm-hmm. before there was a, a better fill to give, at which point it's definitely a penalty. I would say it was definitely a red card because I think Samaras would have got it in for that angle. If you look at the if you look at the TV pictures again, because they were shown it again last night in sports scene, Samaras is actually actually belly down on the ground with his head up watching as the ball still get two yards to go to cross the line. Now, at that point, he's already been taken out, he's already fallen, and he's already got his head back up, and the ball's still in play. So for me, I if he, if he skips past Langfield, even if he gets a nudge, he's still going to get at least a shot away, and he's got, I mean, he'll have a two or three-yard angle to cut that back in, so I am I'm 100%. I mean, I don't like the rule, the um, the penalty and the red card drill. I think I think they need to look at that again, but um, going by the rule as just now, that's a, that's a stonewall penalty, and yep, correct decision with the red card. Yeah, it's that double whammy as usual. It's, yep. You've taken him out. You, it would actually have made more sense for Langfield just to leave him alone and let him put the ball in it. Because mm-hmm. eventually Chris Common scored the penalty anyway, so you're still 1 0 down, but now you're down to 10 men. Whereas if Langfield had just left him alone, Samaras would probably have scored. Like you said, there's still that little sort of question mark as to whether he'd kicked it, taken it too wide or not. But at least if Samaras scores it, you've still got 11 men in the park. Okay, that's the thing. If you're Langfield as well and you, just, and you don't commit, I mean, if, if, if he skips past you, there's only one place you can put it to score, and that's down at your inside right. Yep. So all you need to do is just drop down to your inside right and hope that he doesn't lift over you and into the roof of the net. So it's, it's one of these. It's a bit of a rush of, rush of blood to the head for Langfield, I think. I think that the thing that's playing in my mind is I've seen Stokes score for pretty much the very same position that ball was in, up at Pataudry. It was yep. either last season or the season before. He, he looked like he'd taken it quite wide and still managed to get it in with relative ah, ease. Yeah. I know and the I one think you're the talking other, about. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that comes to mind is Samaras's goal at the end of last season against Inverness where he pinged it in half the bar and he was pretty much a tighter angle than he, that ball was sitting at. So I, that's why I think Samaras it was a goal-scoring opportunity for him. Yeah, uh, it, was, well, it was a good talking point anyway. Yeah. Are talking about punches now? Uh, well, I was not to mention the Aberdeen crowd. All right, we, we moved on. I thought that that was impressive. I thought that that was, that was good for the, the Aberdeen fans to come out. 20,000, slightly over that, I think. I think that's good. I think that they were a bit overhyped, talking Aberdeen pushing for the title Aye. and so on. But that's good. it's good to see so many people in Pataudry. I think that they'll put it down as a, a sellout. Uh, the trick now is to get that for the next home game. Hopefully. It's all very good and well being able to do that for Celtic games. But you want to be able to... Okay, you won't attract the same away support, but you want to be able to attract pretty much the same home support that you managed to get for that game because you're hoping that Aberdeen can kick on. That's the trick now for Aberdeen. Okay, you lost the Celtic. Can you bounce back and get the, the wins going again? Or are you just going to capitulate? Yeah, Aye, they, they need to try and get that crowd back in. Or not the whole crowd, but a portion of that crowd in. We can be cut because after the game at Motherwell, they were quite rightly on the high, you know, two games mm-hmm. in and two wins. But all this, all this chanting to bring on the Celtic and easy and easy and all the rest of it. I mean, it just, yeah. you just knew they were heading for a fall. Now it's whether or not they can pick themselves back up. And to be honest, even, I mean, even Saturday's result aside, uh, Aberdeen look decent. They look as though they can put a reasonable season together. I don't think they're going to be challenging for Celtic, but I think they've got a really good shout of being second, maybe third. They've got Robson to come back. Mm-hmm. He was on speaking before the game, saying that he's uh, had a must have had an operation on his knee. So he called it a wee clear out, and uh, he's a few weeks away, so that'll be a, a good addition. I think first eleven out with Celtic. I think they've probably got this, uh, just about the strongest first eleven in that league. Yeah, yep, I, I agree I, with that. The biggest concern I thought for Aberdeen was the fact that although they did have quite a bit of that game before, when Neil Lennon identified it in the the press conference afterwards, it was basically when he swapped Mulgrew and Ambrose around, Celtic seemed to take a, a control of the game after that. And once, once Aberdeen went into 10 men, they were 
always going to be in, in control of the game. But before that, Aberdeen, although they had a lot of possession and a lot of balls into the box, nothing troubled Foster. The only time Foster was troubled in the entire game was a pretty poor effort, the free kick from Ryan Jack in the first half and the header from McGinn in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that. That was all yeah. Fraser Foster did the entire game, and that's got to be the worry for Aberdeen. Can I go back to the Samaras penalty? Because I've got a, a bit of feedback from Jordi Girl from the forum. She says that I'm talking mince. <laughs> <laughs> Definite red card. <laughs> Keeper brought him down. The defender wasn't Usain Bolt. <laughs> that's a fair point. The defender wasn't Usain Bolt. Was <laughs> no, I can't argue with that. That's good logic. <laughs> All right, so we might move on to the, the boxing. Yeah, Boyd is definitely one... not a boxer. I know, that was a terrible punch. I liked what they did in sports scene last night, though. I don't know if you've seen it. But no, I watched basically, it on YouTube. Oh. Uh, sports scene went back and showed a series of niggly challenges between the two of them, Boyd and Goodwin. And it was basically, you could see them getting angrier and angrier as the game went on until Boyd just lost the plot. <laughs> and they were saying, oh, well, it was, really, it was really both of them. And I'm thinking, well, that surely that's a good tactic, but good one. You just wind up the guy until he loses the plot. He gets himself sent off and you get your team back into the game. Yeah, no, well, that it's, works it's, for many players. Yeah. Uh, Brown, uh, Joey Barton does it. It's, it's, a, it's a tactic. It's, it's valid. It's, uh, as, as, much as, uh, as much as you're right, Chris, Chris Boyd's in the wrong for reacting. As in, I mean, if he's going to see if he's going to turn and swing a punch and get sent off, at least connect with his jaw. <laughs> he's hit him in the forearm. It's like, it's like he's trying to give him a dead arm. Uh, <laughs> he's going to have a swing at somebody and get a red for it. Crack his, crack his jaw. And I tell you, Goodwin, as much as the boys in the wrong, Goodwin's a, a, a dirty, nasty, cynical, yes. wee yaffe. He's, he's the type of guy you would expect to see standing outside a chip shop somewhere in blooming Paisley <laughs> with a skip cap and a tracksuit on. He's, he's literally that close to it. And, and, and the stuff that the Chris was saying they were showing you in the lead up to that he's really lucky at one point he goes right through the back of Boyd with an elbow in the back of his head and if the referee sees that that's 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 a far more dangerous challenge than the than the dead arm that, that daft Chris Boyd gets sent <laughs> off for so I, I don't know I just I despair when you get these two fuds out in a football pitch kicking and punching each other it's, it's beyond belief but at least that red card there was a, was a punch thrown the, the red cards in the, the Hibs Dundee United game oh, were no. for, apparently for nothing ah, they were two yellows at worst crazy and I don't ah. I, I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what um, Thompson's um, problem was anyway Gunnan looked as though he'd played the ball and yeah. alright he's maybe his foot's maybe come down a wee bit close to his shin but wait what is he meant to do with it stand and hop about for five minutes I don't it's know if Dundee United have appealed it. Hibs have appealed theirs. They've appealed the, the Kevin Thompson sending off. I would yeah. imagine Dundee United should do the same. Oh, I would think so. Whether it will or not is another question. Because neither well, I one think was... the ref's going to say anyway. that it was aggressive. And then if he says that, then it's a red card. I know looking at it, it was a, a yellow card offence going by uh, previous games that I've seen. But if you look at the rule book, the referee's pretty confident there if he just if he says it was violent then aye but funny funny enough I think Kevin Thompson's probably got a better chance of having it reduced to yellow if done United appeal the government to gun anyone because the SFA might just look at it and go aye we'll just reduce them to basically yellow I, I think Gunnan's got a good case to, to have his uh, rescinded as well because I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with the challenge. I don't, he didn't react initially anyway, but it was, it was Thompson that did the reaction. And, mm-hmm. and Gunnan's a good, a good Irish gypsy, so he's not the type of guy that um, steps back for a, for a punch up as well. So I, I hope common sense prevails and they get those cut back to yellows because that's, that's, it wasn't even handbags. Nonsense. And St Johnson got a really good result, 4-0. Against Ross County, you mentioned that they're yet to get on the scoreboard. Pretty poor start for them. I think it's uh, the second Point season forward. jitters. It's a cliche, but it looks like it could be happening to them. Aye. Well, they have, they have got on the scoreboard because they scored at Celtic Park. It was uh, the points you haven't got yet. Well, I meant the points board when I said scoreboard. <laughs> But the interview with Adams in the after sports team was interesting because he's, I mean, he's talking the talk. He's saying, you know, if these guys are not bucking their ideas up, then they're out of football, out of the football club. But you know, who else do you bring in? I wouldn't imagine Ross County have got um, inexhaustible resources to bring in other players as well. So he's kind of, I guess, he's thrown the gauntlet down a wee bit. But I, I'm, I'm not so sure whether uh, Ross County are in for a bit of a sticky season. 
I'm surprised because they, they did look pretty good at Celtic Park the first game. I just I, I don't know what's happened to them since they played for Sir St. Johnson. They just they've been easily beaten. Yeah, but then it's the same old story. We're three games in, and we're talking about Aberdeen Mountain challenges and Ross County being murdered and Motherwell being murdered and do you know what I mean? Just three games that can change. You can't really tell anything until you've at least played everybody once. Mm. And uh, to be fair, in the league setup you got in Scotland, you're really as well waiting until everybody's played twice. Once you get to 22, then ah, you've got a, a really good idea of what's going to happen because everybody's played home and away. But even after 11 games, is probably better time. After three, nah, it's too early. Ah, there's still time for players to come in, players mm-hmm. to leave. Yeah, I mean, we've still got, what, 12 days of the transfer window left? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking yep. St. Johnson with Stevie May. Stevie May, yeah. Aye. They, they do well at high one. He looks pretty good. Yeah, he's uh, really young. He's in the under-21 squad. Yeah, uh, aye, he came on. We'll, we'll not talk about that Scotland in the game. Before. <laughs> aye, the scoreline doesn't matter. Nah, the, sc- the scoreline doesn't match how one-sided it actually was. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to move on to the, the lower leagues? Yeah, we'll go and talk about the other three divisions. We'll start off in the, the Championship, where Hamilton are now the only team with a 100% record there after uh, just two matches, thanks to a 4-1 win over Dumbarton. Uh, Falkirk got a good 3-1 win over Morton. Queen of the South and Wolverhampton played out a 3-3 draw. It's been some good high-scoring games so far, over the first two weeks. Uh, and it was still outscored by Cowden Beath and Wraith Rovers, which the, the visitors won 4-3, thanks to a Greg Spence hat-trick. Um, Dundee also won 1-0 against Allah which uh, if uh, you keep it tabs of the McBookie charity bet Celtic and Dundee have won getting close yeah <laughs> well, I wonder I wonder <laughs> don't, don't get too excited though <laughs> we'll move on to, we'll move on to League 1 though and Rangers Air United and Stenhouse Muir all made it 2 wins out of 2 thanks to wins over Strandraff 3-0 4 for 2-0 and Airdrie 1-0 respectively uh, Breaking City beat East 5-2-0 while Arbroath edged out Dunfermline 3-2 and finally, in League 2, East Stirling are still top, would you believe, after another 3-0 win this time over uh, Elgin City. They've been joining six points by Albion Rovers, who also beat Clyde 3-0, and Stirling Albion, who beat Peterhead 2-0. And there's where the charity bet falls down. <laughs> That's my bad this week. Yep. Uh, other results in that division, Berwick Rangers thumped Queen's Park 4-0. They've been a bit of a surprise at Queen's Park, they lost two games out of two. And uh, Iron Athletic beat Montrose 2-1, and I was quite interested by watching Soccer Saturday that Montrose were the only team to score an away goal in that division. <laughs> I like the symmetry of it. Until Montrose scored and just ruined it. I wanted to mention uh, Rory McAllister. Yes, do you know what he's done yet? <laughs> no, no, I don't. So there was an incident at training on Thursday, and for that reason he sat out the, the game against Stirling Albion. And there's a board meeting tomorrow, that's a Tuesday, and they're potentially going to be discussing his future at the club. The manager came out and said that he was definitely going to be out for a, a couple of weeks, but for the board to be meeting and potentially booting him out, it must be something pretty serious. But I've not heard what. I wonder, I wonder if he's been doing the bookies. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, uh, yeah. Yeah, because I don't think we can't mention the other story that's broke today. Oh, it's, de- um, it's a definite. It's on the agenda. Yeah. <laughs> Is it probably a good time to talk about it? Then? Aye, we don't I think know it's what Rory McAllister's done. It's seamless. Yep. Aye, so Ian Black has been done for making something like 150 bets over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And it's the SFA are not too happy about it because you're not allowed to do that. It's yep. the rules... I think the crucial thing here, though, is I've heard this argument a thousand times. Footballers place bets on games. They do it all the time. The crucial part of this appears to be that on at least three occasions, Ian Black may have bet against his own team. Yep. Which then becomes a a bit of an issue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what he's getting accused of is betting on three matches for the opposition to win. Then ten matches that involved the club it doesn't say whether he went for the, the win, lose or draw there, and then betting on a further 147 matches. Now, what's, what's really strange about this, so he's put bets on games. Basically, you're not allowed to do that. There's a rule, I'm not going to bore people with the, reading out the rule, but there's a rule that says you're not allowed to put a bet on a football match. If, if you play professional football in Scotland, you're not allowed to bet on another Scottish football match, regardless of the league. That's well, a bit ridiculous, that, doesn't it? That baffles me. That absolutely. I can okay. I can understand 
definitely betting against your team. I can absolutely understand that being against the rules. Betting on your team to win. I don't know. What's the problem with that? Yep. What's the problem with you saying, I'm playing for Hearts this week and we're playing Hibs and we're going really well and I reckon we're going to win? What's the point? What's the problem with putting money on that? Betting against it, I can see. And betting on a completely different game. Mm-hmm. What? What's what like saying, well, you can't go and bet on a horse because you've got as much chance to influence that as you have any other game? Exactly. Total nonsense. Yep. But then what confuses me is uh, uh, they say that there is no evidence to suggest any breach of disciplinary rule 23. And that says that the player. Uh, he won't benefit financially through betting based on a match he's involved in. But surely if he's betted on uh, uh, three games, he's bet on the other team to win. Surely he's going to benefit financially on a game he's playing in. Aye, I don't get I just that, don't I understand I, that. I'm, I'm assuming what the actual mean is no one's paid him to throw the game, which is slightly different. Mm. Yeah, I'm just I'm confused. Uh, on the forum, somebody asked, what do I think of it? What, would I want him at the club if... He's found guilty. And right now I'm confused because because the SFE, SFA are saying there's no evidence to suggest a breach of Rule 23, I'm not sure what that means. I'm not sure what they know. Yeah, yeah. Listen, like, it's, it's a completely... It's, it's such a tenuous charge. There's no way he's he, he, they can ever prove that he's chucked a game. And I remember I had the same thing happened with, with Jennings up at Motherwell and the accusation was he'd got himself deliberately sent off Mm. And there'd been a whole lot of money staked on it behind the scenes, and in the end, it was there was there was no evidence to to charge the boy with it, whether or not he did it. Pff, only he knows. Who knows? And at that time, everybody was saying, "Well, like if it's proved against him, then you know he's he's out of the club." Finishes that, but there was this furore created around about that time, just based on the allegations, to the extent that the SFA asked Motherwell to suspend him prior to any. <laughs> charges being brought or anything else I say well look there's no way we're suspending this guy at the moment he's done absolutely nothing wrong and I think I mean I think the same sort of thing applies to Black in this instance as well and okay it might be slightly different and if they can prove which he obviously has he's, he's, he's placed bets on these games then you know he's going to be found guilty of that but the, the suggestion that he's 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 chucking games or, or influence games. I, I don't. I, one, I don't believe it for a, for a second. He doesn't strike me as that type of guy. But I think he. I think he's just been guilty of just stupidity. I don't think he's he's read the rule books. Aye, lots of players must must put bets on. Oh, Loads you better believe it. You're telling me there's the football players only doing the bookies betting in football. Not a chance. No. I think that, that that's the, the kind of words, isn't it? Though? I mean, if Ian Black's getting pulled up for this, you can bet. I mean, I don't go on Rangers forums, but I'll bet you the Rangers forums going. But what about all the other players that bet on things? Yeah, what's the problem if you've got, say, an Aberdeen player betting on Sterling Albion against Peterhead? Exactly. If you can't influence the game, it shouldn't be a problem. I mean, I can understand. I can understand you. I can understand why it's a big issue if you're betting against your own team. But I could also understand if it's say, say Ian Black had a a bet on a Scottish Cup final that Hearts were going to win at five two, and it had been five one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would it, yeah. would it not benefit Ian Black to go put the ball in his own net? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was talk of him ha- having a shot cleared off the line in one of the games where he supposedly bet aye. for the other team to win. But, aye, to be fair, uh, the, there's no proof of that. All they've done is taking one of these games that seem to fit. There's a date range that he was, yeah. he's been betting in, and he just went for one of those. Well, it was, I think it was the, the, the first game date. They went for whatever game he was playing in that day and went, well, there's... They lost one nil, so that might be one of those games they're picking up on. But that could be one of the hundred odd games he bet on his own team. Do you, think, lost it, yeah. do you think it's an opportunity for Rangers to jettison them? I've heard that suggested as well, because uh, obviously there's a, a bit of cost cutting needed at uh, Rangers. And so, judging by the last season, he, he just wasn't the player he was at Hearts. But this season, he's getting good write-ups. I've not seen enough of him really to comment very accurately, but this season he's meant to have been taking a wee bit of a step up. But I, I would have got rid of him last season because I just. Is it Ramsey's that... cup he scored then? I've seen him. There was one of the early, early games this season he's already scored for Rangers. Well, I, I would say that he should have scored in the game against Stranraer or It was his shot that deflected off Little and Little claimed the goal somehow. But Black looked like the guy who should have got the goal, but he didn't. But I, I think that Rangers have shown with Sandaza that they'll, at the very least, <laughs> make a threat to sack him if he's found guilty <laughs> whether they do or not is another story 
<laughs> I mean, I, I think it's, it's looking pretty clear cut that he's guilty. I mean, if, if they've coming up with this, I mean, they've obviously uncovered his, his Ladbrokes account, his online Ladbrokes account, <laughs> probably registered in his name to his bank Occupation. account. Professional right. footballer. If they're turning into these betting 147 games, well, that's pretty specific. So you'd imagine yeah. they've got it's no it's no lassie in the bookie shop saying I Ian Black was in here putting a coupon on the other week. I mean they've got they've got stone stone cold evidence he's done it. So it's whether or not Rangers decide that's severe enough for them to say, oh dear, we'll just wrap up your contract. Or well, from Jordy Girl saying that Jack Wilshire had his wrist slapped for a similar incident. When he was won by UEFA. It's so maybe slapped. that's all it is. I've heard uh, a, a, a monetary fine being mentioned by STV. Right, it's saying up, up to a, a million pounds, I think, the fine, the possible fine. Is it? Plus suspension and expulsion from, from mm-hmm. playing professional football. I think that's the. That's as. I mean, that's obviously that's at the far end of the scale when yeah. you're clearly being accused of. You know, untoward activities, but I mean, I, I, I mean, I think the lower end of the scale is like a ten grand thing, something yeah. like that. I was speaking to somebody about bookies just the other day, and well, it was unrelated to Ian Black because the news hadn't broke, but apparently bookies do keep track of individuals and their betting patterns, and just trying to keep track, especially if they're a high roller. They wouldn't keep track of me because I put my ten p bets on. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a no, high roller, me. <laughs> if you're a high roller, they can't try and keep track. Because basically they don't like losing money. They don't want to overextend I, themselves. So there might be a book on them. Yeah. See, well, just when we're talking about that, did you see what my bookie tweeted about four hours ago? Mm. <laughs> just in case Ian Black is interested, Airdrie are 13 to 2 to win on Friday. <laughs> That's what I like to see. <laughs> that was brilliant. See, bookies on Twitter do seem to be quite jokey. Aye. I think that uh, it's, it's an interesting thing because I never thought of bookies being like that. But Paddy Power, uh, Ladbrokes, and now McBookie, they're all having a wee joke. That's Paddy Power, I like a good joke. And all that. Yeah. I've seen them. Aye, the McBookie one today was well-timed. Well right. Well, since you bring up McBookie, Chris, I think that seamlessly links us oh, on to the charity what? bet. We're on fire tonight. That is brilliant. I'm loving it. Right. So, we done rubbish. Last week, I put in a good effort. Greg, well done. You put in a good effort. Chris, you were rubbish. Right, see, see in my defence, see if you'd listen to me about the first goal scorer. <laughs> would, they been, would they always win something? Because you went for Nicky Law and he didn't even score against her. No. And before before we went in there, I, was, who was, I suggested James Keaton's at Hamilton. And who scored the first two goals for Hamilton? James Keaton's. Aye, you said that you'd done your homework as well. And yeah, me and Greg yeah. were just, nah, just nah, dismissed no it out of hand. <laughs> right, so we'll go for the, the easy bet. <laughs> I say easy bet, but... <laughs> We're not really it's good no at pr- this. It's not proved easy up to this point, has well, it? So far we've won nothing, so uh, what's easy about it? <laughs> right, well I was going to go for the first scorer. Yeah. Because we're coming close. That's it. We're coming close. And we discussed this, and I think we're going to go for Greg Spence, who scored a hat-trick for Wraith Rovers. Yep, and they're home to Dundee this weekend. So uh, I'm going. Uh, that's me just sticking with the, the concept of you came out of the Celtic Youth Academy, so good day. <laughs> James Keaton's was the one out of the Celtic Youth Academy, so is Greg Spence. Right. So well, hopefully he scores first against Dundee. But don't have the odds, but maybe 61, 71, 5 to 1, something like that. Aye, I think it was about was it 61 we got for Nicky Law last week. Yeah. Okay. Aye. So I'll announce uh, the odds on the forum later this week when McBookie have let us know. So that'll be £10 on that. And then moving on to the individual games. Uh, have you had a chance to do your homework, Chris? Because normally you come up with a few options. <laughs> I, I, or are I'm you waiting for us to pick first? I, I'll wait for you to pick first because I've got a list. I've always got a list. Right, well, I'm going to go for Wraith Rovers. I'm going to double up our bet and oh, fire them in. Yep. I'm not, I'm not going to argue. I think that's, that's, that's a good bet. They did, they did a good run last week. so. Really good odds. Really good odds. Pretty much 2-1. Two, two Dundee haven't really started that well. I mean, even the, the 1-0 win over Al at the weekend, it was quite a late goal for Dundee. Oh, was it not three minutes into injury time? It was really late. As late as that? I never, I never saw how late it was. I know it was deep into, like, sort of 25 kind of thing before it been yeah. in. But aye, two to one, I'm having that for Wraith Rovers. That's going to bump up the potential winnings. I say potential because we're not going to win. That's uh, the truth. <laughs> well, if you're going for that, I think I'm going to take Air United at Stranraer. 
Yeah, you need to start it well. Stranar, or they should start it so well. So, I think that's my banker. That's eleven to ten at McBookie. Oh boy, what do I do? Do I go for a safe bet and try and bring the try and bring the readies home? Um, well, I don't I'm know torn, if there is any safe bets there. I, I'm torn between. I was looking at Stirling Albion at home East Stirling. I don't know, they're both in six points. I a nice even money in that, or the one that really did attract me because Queen's Park are stinking. Yep. It's Clyde at home to Queen's Park, and you're getting seven to four in that. Yep. I think that that's a carryover for last season. I think the those odds, I think the, the bookies are thinking that Clyde are going to continue their form of last season, but they're not. And Queen's Park. Queen's Park Queen... problem is you had half their team ripped out. Aye, they've, they've, they've lost. The Premiership. They've lost half their, half their team. Talking to my my my, con, my Queen's Park contact, uh, who I kind of disclose his details, he's telling me that Queen's Park are stinking this year. So, I wasn't yeah. happy we'd picked them in the charity bet, was he? No, he yeah, was not. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a double dunter. So uh, I'll cheer him up by going for Clyde. Clyde at home at Queen's Park. Right, so yep. that's 74. This is, is going to be a bump. This is a bumper, isn't it? Aye. Oh, £167.47. <laughs> Oh, no oh I don't know if McBookie will allow us to do that. <laughs> See, if we win this, that's us halfway to our total from the whole of last season. I right. think that's a good shout. I, 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 there's none of those three I, don't, I, I would argue with. I think we're picking up three good chances. Yeah, yep. I'm confident. So the free £10 bet for McBookie, scoring Wraith Rovers, Air United and Clyde. And the first scorer bet, we're going to go for Greg Spence. But we don't know the odds on that yet. We know that later in the week. So games that are coming up this week, um, obviously we normally end with the Premiership predictions but there's European football and I mentioned at the start of the podcast that we've got Celtic in action and the kickoff is 11am or something like that in the morning. 4pm <laughs> yeah, UK thing, it's 9pm local thing, they are five hours ahead of us. Is it on the TV, is it on the council TV? Yes, it's on STV. Oh, good. I heard it's on ITV4 as well. It's on ITV4, yeah. But something to... Have STV only got it online or something stupid like that? It's something weird. But it's, uh, it's definitely... It's an ITV4 for sure. I'll, I'll clash with Take the High Road or something. If it's on at four o'clock, so we'll put it in STV. We'll clash <laughs> with... Um, now you see it. The chase. The chase, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I, I, don't, I think it's going to be fair, a tough one. It's one of those ones you're going to run out of work and go into the pub. Mm. Kind of four o'clock kickoff, and even then you're looking at arranging a hastily put together meeting <laughs> for four o'clock. It just so happens to be outside the office, kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's going to be tough for Celtic. I seen that uh, Neil Lennon was on Twitter saying that he's he was struggling to to handle the time difference. He said he was settling in a bit today, but that's got to affect the players. Well, I mean five hours. That's you're talking about coming back for the East Coast of America. That's equivalent as coming home and I know how difficult that can be uh, so I can understand why five hours is a bit of a shift but um, I think it's, it's quite warm there as well uh, there's a plastic pitch I think the only thing that really counts in Celtic's favour is the fact that although it's technically a home game for Shakhtar Karagandy they're playing 200 kilometres away for Karagandy in the capital of Astana yep they still managed to get the sheep shipped over though so yep. that was alright yep. they got the sheep sacrificed but then uh, as someone suggested to me on Twitter uh, earlier on the day, we sacrificed 11 sheep on Saturday. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> the, only, the only upside for Celtic's point of view is the first leg's away from home because Aye. I'd fancy regardless of what happens this first leg, they'll, they'll, they'll tear this team to bits back at Celtic Park. So. I, I, had oh, yeah, I, so. I had a look at the previous games. I had a look at the previous rounds and uh, the, the, what I said last week, they beat Batty Borisov. 1-0 in both legs. I should have went to school with him. Batty Borisov. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the last round they played there, they played the Albanian champions, were 3-0 up for the home leg. Then in the second leg, which was away from home for Selector, they were 3-0 down after half an hour and still managed to get it back to 3-2 to go through to play Celtic. So certainly they, they sound a bit shaky at the back, uh, away from home at least. Uh, but I think it could be a tough game over there. Especially if Celtic still haven't signed anybody. I've got a message from a grumpy old man saying that it's on STV online and yep. on ITV4. So that counts as console telly. 
There's a guy on the forum, uh, Mozart. He's uh, a Karagandi fan, and he was he was mentioning the price of the game. He said it was five euros, and then he went on to say that one of the the games in the earlier rounds was one euro to get in. That's the oh. kind of price, and I like. Oh, that's, 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 he even that's said that one of them was free. How can you have a free game of football? That's, was that that's not if, if you bought the first one, you got the second one for free or something? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I quite like his insight into into their, their way of footballing, and then he was confirming that the sheep thing is is really standard practice. Yeah. Well, well. To be fair, I mean, all, all they really do with the sheep is they kill it and eat it. But don't we do that with lamb anyway? It's, it's not that really not... that weird. I mean, it's not as weird as some guy dressed up as a dog wandering about. <laughs> was that not? Uh, was it Laurie that mentioned on the podcast? He, he gave a wee a story about Romanov. And he wanted to. He was driving past a field, and he pointed at one of the sheep, and he wanted to take it <laughs> as as a celebration. Uh, that was a while ago. <laughs> Flory was here; he could confirm, couldn't he? That's probably there. Ah, that was a rubbish story. That sorry. <laughs> it's half a story. <laughs> Less than half a story. <laughs> Just the way you tell them. Laurie uh, uh, once told a story about a sheep or something. Aye. In a car, there was a car involved and he pointed. Nah, I think that's it really, there's a field. Right, I will move on then to the Premiership predictions. Now, for some strange reason, every single game is on the Saturday and every single game is at three o'clock in the Premiership. Right, a, a collector's item. Old that school. is a collector's item, yep. They went old school. Now, Airdrie no against Rangers is on the telly box on a Friday night. On a so... Friday night. So, there's no Scottish football after Friday night because everyone's played at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. There's nothing else on the telly this weekend. It's a bit, it's a, bit of a strange one, but mm. that's the way they've went. That's, I don't make the rules. So, well, the first game on my list, but it's not the first game up because they're all the same time. I've got is Celtic at home to Inverness. Cracker. Two teams with 100% record. Yep. Inverness, Inverness haven't conceded a goal yet. So uh, they're coming on a high. Terry Butcher seemed pretty happy when he was interviewed in the in the dugout, weirdly. <laughs> and uh on sports scene last night. It was yeah, Inverness are on form. So they'll be uh, coming back confident. They won at Celtic Park last season as well. So I can see this being a good game, especially if Celtic are having to readjust to the, the five hours again. Uh, if I end up watching a dodgy stream, am I gonna have to put up with Hill Hill? Been said at half time. Do they still probably. do that, Chris? Aye, <laughs> probably. Oh, I don't know. I might just turn off at half time and then turn back the second half. I'll be like the guys at Wembley turning up late just so I don't hear a hill hill. <laughs> right, I'm going to go for 3 1 to Celtic. Oh, don't think it'll be as big as that, to be honest. I think this could be pretty tight indeed. Um, uh, I'm going to say one each. Aye, one each for me as well. Next game up, Dundee United against St. Johnson. I'm going to go 2-0 away win. I'm going to say 3-0 away win. 2-0 away win. Hearts against Aberdeen. 2-1 to Aberdeen. Uh, aye, that's a fair bet. 2-1. Aberdeen, you should bounce back. 3-1 Aberdeen. Kelly against Hibs. I'm going to go for a 0-0. Lloyd <laughs> will be missing, won't he? Aye. Yep, 0-0. Aye. Some of us are thinking the same thing. No, no. Aye, Paul hat band. trick. Hat trick and a H. Three Paul Bands. <laughs> Motherwell against Partick. I'm going to go two apiece. Tricky one. For what I've seen of Thistle, they're certainly no scared of anybody. But might struggle to put a ball in it. I'm going to say one each, maybe. One each, right. Three nothing, Motherwell. Oof. Greg. Stop the rock. Stop the rock right here. It can't go any further than this. Somebody's going to get a sore one. It's going to be Patrick Thistle on Saturday. Three nothing. This isn't like you. I've got, I've, got to, I've got to go on the front foot. I've got to go on the offensive. I'll be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if it was three 0 We've got to come good at some point because yeah. we've been absolutely abysmal the last two three weeks. So it's 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 going to it's got to turn at some stage. So I three nothing. Then the final game is Ross County against St Mirren. I'm going to go for a home win. They have to get mm. going. They've got hearts on their tail. I'm going to go for 2-1. Home win. Uh, aye. So it's going to be some like 2-1, I think, to Ross County. So I'll stick with that as well. I'm going to take St Mirren 1-0. Right. right, well, that's done for the predictions. 
So I wanted to look at the leaderboard in the predictor. And following Friday's game, I ended up sitting atop the predictor. I don't think that's ever happened in all the years I've done the predictor. So I was smug as anything. But now I've dropped down to third place. I'm two points behind C-U-N-N-1-E. Cun 1-E. <laughs> Cun E. Careful you say that. Cunny. Cunny. Cunningham. It's Varga. It's Varga. I don't know. Aye, I haven't got a clue where I'm. Oh, Miles, and he's scroll all the way down. Oh, oh. dear me. 105th. Ooh, that's embarrassing. 15. 10 behind the leader already. Sure. Right, Greg, what about you? I'm just mirroring Motherwell's start to the season here. I'm just um, I'm keeping my powder dry just now. I'm going to come good this weekend. So you're not saying where you are? I don't know where I am. I'm third in the uh, podcast league. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> not point, yeah. that's not bad. I don't care about the other leagues. It's the podcast leagues that I'm looking at. No worse than third. You've got 11 points. <laughs> Terrible. The, the ah. Footy Gaffer said that he got 11 points just for the games that weekend there. Footy Gaffer's a dick. Oh. <laughs> Only joking with Footy Gaffer. You you, you're 384th if you're on 11 points. That's alright. That's terrible. That's, that, that's out of 1,018. That's alright. There's, right. there's a few in 1,018. Top 6. Relatively speaking. Aye, that's top half the table. Yeah. Oh. Right, well that's it, I'm smug and I'm going to be smug for the rest of the week because if you listen to the podcast you know that I'm crap at this kind of thing. <laughs> I don't I don't really know football. I just... It just shows what a bizarre up. start to the season it's been if you're sitting top of the predictor. <laughs> Great results everywhere. Aye, I need to start putting money on it while I can. Nah, the week you do that, I'll be the week you fall away and get no points at all. Oh, aye, I bet that would happen. <laughs> Ian Black would better. Grumpy old man says that it's a, a marathon, not a sprint. But then the thing is that I'm bucking the trend and sprinting the entire marathon. I see. Just you're far away. It's a totally snail job. I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. As long as I beat Greg. Because I know that Greg forgets to put his predictions in. So as long as I can put mine in. It's a really... Honestly, is there really any joy in beating someone that doesn't remember the date every week? <laughs> it still counts. It still counts. Because <laughs> then I can pretend I look at the database and say, oh, aye, Greg, you've put them in every single week. Uh, I, I, definitely for, I definitely forgot Fridays. I think I've got the weekends ones in, so I've not really got any excuse. I wanted to mention that I'm going to see uh, Clyde 1 Super Scoreboard Unleashed on Friday. Ah, oh, it sounds like a brilliant night. Tell us more about it. Well... Unfortunately, I've not got the, the fancy-dancy package where you get a couch and you get a butler and you get somebody to massage your feet while opening cans of beer for you. But I'll be going... Uh, John Hartson's going. And... Is that the Alison Robbie package? <laughs> <laughs> you need to buy in multiples of two, so you need to cosy up with somebody. So I don't know if I fancy doing that with my mate. So I'm going along to that. I don't know how it's going to work. It should be an alright night. I might have a few beers. That's on Friday at the ABC. So still, I'll let you know next available for that. I think there's still tickets available for MDs at a loose end on Friday. There's tickets available for that. You're right, Greg. I Get on, on that then. Get those tickets bought up. There's a ticket available. I've got one. Felt that. Somebody's want to come with me. me. I can't <laughs> persuade somebody to come with me. <laughs> I just can't get these tickets away. Chris has got better things to do. <laughs> Greg, I was talking about babysitting got, issues, I've all these web, excuses. I've got a whole web of excuses. <laughs> <laughs> Just be me myself. <laughs> all right. Unless <laughs> has got to the end of the podcast, unless there's any other random thing you want to say, Chris. Uh, not really. I'm too busy thinking about couches and what else you can have to these super scoreboard things. I'm not sure I actually want to know. I looked up the picture of Commons in that bed. Speaking uh, of comfort. Right. And the, the one thing I'm unsure about, right, this luxury plane, I've seen the seats, I've seen Sam Rassi's seat and it looked pretty comfy, right? So you've got a, a full squad of guys and apparently the plane has one bedroom. Now, I don't want to start no, rumours, but what are they up to? Commons has Chris, jumped straight in there. Aye, I was thinking Chris Commons got in there first. Aye. <laughs> He's kept the pillows for somebody else. So who do you think it is? I think it's Samaras. 
I think it's got to be that luscious hair. <laughs> I tell you what we never mentioned. The non-league. The Highlands and the Lowlands. But what's going on in the Highlands and the Lowlands? Well, the Lowlands seem to be battling through their fixtures because they keep playing midweek. They're playing again this midweek. And already they've got to the point that no one's got a 100% record. Although the beat star, they're leasing the Spartans if I've got two wins in a draw. So uh, it's, it's, it's actually pretty tight because Whitehill Welfare, Gretna, East Cobride and Sterling Uni have all got two wins as well. So that's three teams in seven and four and six. Not bad, there's only 12 teams. Uh, I'll need to get along with um, Sterling Uni, see uh, what's happening. Uh, we found out much it cost yet because I, I tried tweeting the league and never got a reply. No, I tried Googling it again, couldn't find anything. I'm disappointed. I should just go along and see what the script is. Just round the corner, really. Uh, you should, you've got issues. I don't have a team round the corner. Uh, right, well, thanks for uh, coming on the uh, two years. Before we finish, the Highland League is four teams that have got uh, three wins out of three. Wick Academy, former Tiny United, Brewer Rangers, Inverurie Locals. And Fort William is Pratt's Bay, that's all we've got in So, Don't worry, favouritism in a Lowland Highland thing there, because you might get people up north complaining. Chukters. <laughs> You're a Chukter. <laughs> Some would say that, yes. Have you have you have you seen that map of what Glasgow people think of the rest of Scotland? <laughs> I have, yes. I have definitely been called a chukter in my time. I think it's my boring tone. I think that's what it is. Right, but thanks for coming on again. And well I hope we can keep up our hundred percent run for next week, Greg. I'm damn dodgy for next week already. <laughs> See that, that web of lies that web of excuses I've got for missing Friday. I might just <laughs> extend that out to Monday there. Might still have babysitting issues. <laughs> Even though they're in their bed. <laughs> right. And I'll speak to you again next week, hopefully. Definitely speak to you, Chris. Or I'll All persuade right. Greg. I've got nothing better doing a Monday night, so why not? <laughs> right, but cheers, guys. Right, cheers. catch you later. Bye. Right.